And I want to talk about that. We're only going to cover this verse, Romans 15, 14 today. We studied through verse 13 a couple of weeks ago. I was gone last weekend, but we're going to take a look at this. There's some really interesting things that have to do with this word, admonition. And what does it mean? It simply means loving correction. And and now, <laughs> I want to be really clear as we get into this, that it is not loving criticism. <laughs> you guys know that I, I share with you a lot. Don't think that you can assume what God's will is for the person, for somebody else, especially the person sitting next to you, especially if that's your spouse. <laughs> that's a slippery slope. Because God has his own agenda in all of our lives. And what he's doing in me, he may or may not be doing in you. I'd love to share the story. I'll share it again because it's just a powerful, powerful moment in my life of being on a camping trip with a group of men, like 300 guys up outside of Reading and and a bunch of churches involved. And, and uh, as we were settling in and getting started after most people had shown up, this one guy stood up and he said, can I say something? And uh, Brian, the, the pastor at the little country church where we were at. Uh, he says, well, sure, go ahead. And the guy says, I want to ask you guys to stop picking on me about smoking cigarettes. And I just kind of hung my head and I thought, wow, you know, that's, that's, that's a health issue for sure. Uh, and I, but, you know, there's no productive end for somebody getting picked on, being criticized about that. And he said, but he went on to say, let me tell you something about my life. He said, now, as far as smoking goes, I go outside the camp. I'm respectful. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm doing what I can there. But he said, let me tell you something. I was addicted to heroin. And God delivered me from that horrible addiction. Not only has he delivered me from it, he has given me my family back. And his voice began to break as he said that, as he spoke those words, and I began to get teared up and just thinking, just praise you, God. He said, so, you know, yeah, I've got some issues still, but I think what God's been doing in my life, this powerful work, and I am just so, so, so thankful. Folks, we don't know what God's doing in the life of another, and so we need to be very careful. And as I teach on the the concept of admonishing one another from Romans fifteen fourteen, it is not an invitation to start sending people mail. It is not an invitation to start becoming critical. It is an invitation for us as healthy believers, and we'll talk about that, to be able to come alongside one another and say, look, I've got a burden in my heart and I need to share it with you and I share this in love and in respect. I'm going to read, uh, this is an excerpt from an article by a guy by the name of Tim Challies. I really love his writings. So does Ron. Uh, admonition, an unpopular love language. Admonition, or any kind of tough love, is a Christian responsibility and often neglected evidence of the Spirit's work within us. Perhaps for fear of coming across as judgmental, holier than thou, or insensitive, or perhaps out of fear of burning a bridge, or just plain fear of man, we can neglect warning one another. Isn't that good? So Romans fifteen fourteen reads, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all the knowledge, 
with all knowledge and able to admonish one another. Now, Paul didn't write this because he felt the Roman Christians couldn't discern what was right before God. No, he's not saying that. As a matter of fact, he's saying, I'm confident that you're full of goodness. You're filled with knowledge. And in that, in that maturity, admonish one another. So rather, he wrote to remind them and he encouraged them, admonish, he's admonishing them to do what they already knew was right. It's a very important distinction to make in this passage. In other words, admonition is loving correction and not criticism. This happened to me last week. I received a letter from a brother who will remain unnamed with a loving admonition, a gentle reproof. In it, he was saying that while he understood a point I was making two weeks ago, he didn't want to see a door open for folks to misinterpret, to be stumbled, or to take lightly what had been said. In short, it was a loving admonition. And in doing the right thing, I prayed about it, and I felt led of God's Spirit to, to write him back and acknowledge and thank him for his concern. Because it, it wasn't critical. It was more like, won't you consider a course correction? Because that's what admonition is. It's correcting course. I also want to offer a bit of clarification this morning, which fits perfectly into the next verse, as we see in our study in Romans 15. Here's verse 14 again. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. So in our last study, we looked at how we are all in this together. That was the title of the study. We're all in the, and we are. Like it or not, uh, warts and freckles and all, we are in this together. We've been talking about uh, in chapter 14, verse 1, through chapter 15, verse 7, uh, Paul lays out how we are very different from one another. And how is it that we can come together under one roof and just not just get along with each other, but actually enjoy spending time together? This is something that doesn't happen in the world. It's the love of Christ working in our hearts, working in our lives, pouring out of us. We saw in chapter 14 where the apostle spoke of the stronger and the weaker brother each having responsibilities towards the other. It wasn't weighted on one side or the other. The stronger not looking down his nose at the weaker and the weaker not becoming judgmental of the stronger. Each has responsibility. We looked at the fact that we have been called to liberty, to freedom in Christ. And with that liberty comes responsibility. They go hand in hand. In Romans 15, 7 through 13, which we looked at last time, Uh, the apostle shifts gears a bit and he begins to talk about the Jews and the Gentiles at the church in Rome. Remember we talked about that. Here you have these people that all their lives had been steeped in religion. And man, oh man, they knew it. And so you have this group of of Gentile or or Jewish believers, Messianic Jews at the church in Rome. And we know that there was a sizable group by looking at chapter chapter 16. But there's also a whole group of Gentiles who had converted to Christ, who had come from Whatever. I think I used the term party hardy. And they were just people that had no real bearing. They had no moral bearing. They just lived for themselves. And so you have these two groups converging now in the church in Rome. And and they're saying, how do we get along? How do we do this? And Paul is laying out principles for how we do this. He's also laying out overarching principles that govern the principles by which we live. 
So in the context of Romans 14 and 15, the responsibility is exercised through what I've referred to as these overarching principles, those higher principles which govern the general principles that are laid out in the gospel. You'll understand more as we go. I mentioned in our last study some things I want to clarify. I believe I I began to make a point in saying, I don't care if you have a Christmas tree. I do care if you worship it, (laughs) which is, that's kind of important. (laughs) Don't want to see that. I went on to say, I don't care if you drink alcohol, but I do care if you stumble a brother or a sister who has an issue with alcohol or that you have an issue with alcohol yourself and you violate your own conscience in doing so or that you just flaunt your that particular liberty recklessly. That's where Paul puts the overarching principle of walking in love ahead of the principle of do you drink or not drink. Let me be clear. In my own life, growing up, alcohol was an absolute scourge on my family. I was raised by a drunken, violent stepfather that did not get near alcohol without becoming a different person. It's been an absolute scourge on many families some in present company. I do care. God cares about this issue. As well as the issue of drug abuse or any other thing by which one's will may be conquered. Remember, we looked at that in chapter 14 where he talks about drunkenness. The Greek word is methe. And it's essentially anything by which one's will is conquered. That's why drug abuse is so dangerous. That's why alcoholism is so dangerous because you your will is conquered. Your ability to resist that thing, that we call it addiction, is because your will is conquered. And anything that will do that in one's life, I care deeply about. So when I say I don't care, I'm saying that for the purpose of making a point. Does God's word lay out a doctrine, you shall not drink alcohol? No, it does not. However, it does come to bear in many people's lives as sin. My point a couple of weeks ago regarding alcohol is this. We must always care more about the overarching principle than the principle itself. This is not, I am not going to get legalistic on you and say, don't you drink. I know many do. I know many enjoy a glass of wine. But I am going to say that as I understand Christian liberty, I understand that responsibility comes with it. And I want to walk in the overarching principle, which is, which is love, that governs the principle of whether or not alcohol is part of one's life. So understand, folks, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, tells us, for you are called to freedom. Brothers and sisters, only don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve, here's, here's the overarching principle, but serve one another through love. So if I'm loving you, I'm taking extreme care with my liberty. The point is, there's a big difference between somebody having a Christmas tree and somebody who knocks back a fifth of Jack Daniels. <laughs> so I want to make that clear. And I want to clear up any confusion regarding the illustration I used as to the vital overarching principle of walking in love. You, I, I can't stress that enough. With any liberty that we enjoy, which may be controversial, that's the essence of audiophora, things that could go one way or another. Things that you can't make an absolute doctrine out of because God's word doesn't make an absolute doctrine against. But he does give some very clear instructions. Aside from what we saw in Romans 14, as I mentioned, 
about drunkenness and carousing, they were part of what is taking place in someone's life if they're living hypocritically. Because he's writing to Christians when he talks about that. And through which no one, by the way, has a right to legitimately call themselves a Christian. I'm not talking about the person that struggles. I'm talking about the person that doesn't care. There's a large volume of scripture that supports the dangers of abusing alcohol. Here are a couple of admonitions from the scripture itself. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, intoxicating drink, a brawler, and whoever's intoxicated by it is not wise. Ephesians 5.18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Folks, admonition is not only modeled to us in Scripture, it's commanded. And, and am I going to get, here's the choice. Somebody comes and, and there is an admonition, which is a loving correction. And I have to stress that I am not inviting the church to start going around correcting everybody. We got to walk in grace. We got to have the grace to just accept one another as we are. And yet using that brother writing me last week as an example, he was just concerned for you. He didn't want you to misunderstand what I said. And I'm not above saying something wrong. That's why I, I, I urge you guys, seek the scripture, seek God's word. Very, very important. Also important that I don't, if somebody comes to me with a loving admonition, that I don't get stuck in my pride. Oh, well, who are you to tell me? Yeah, well, look at your own life. Look at what you're doing. You know, we could just get into the weeds on all kinds of weird responses that are my flesh. I have a very dear friend. I spent some time with him last week when I was in California. Uh, pastors of Calvary Chapel down in the town where I was. And uh, something he said years ago to me that really stuck. He said, you know, John, when somebody says something to you by way of an admonition or that type of a thing, he said, really, you got to get past the tone of voice that was used. you got to get past the motive that might be employed. you got to get past all of that and ask yourself one question. Is it true? And that's where God can work. So I love praying with our leadership this morning, just hearing people praising God for the love in this body, for the love that we share with one another. I don't ever want to see that get tarnished. And I don't want to have a a, a lot of people that now go around trying to correct one another because they're misinterpreting admonition for criticism. As I said, we got to have grace. But when that happens, because Paul's talking to healthy Christians here, he's talking to Christians that get it. We have a lot of mature believers in this body that get it. When that happens, don't get stuck in your pride. I was challenged. Yeah, my flesh goes, oh, well, I just need to make some excuses about that. What I said was right, and it was right. But but I needed to be able to clarify because I don't ever want to leave the door open for somebody to sin or to think that I'm saying something's okay when to them it's not. Folks, we've got to have humility. We've got to have grace. And we've got to have understanding as we apply these things to our lives. He says here in fifteen fourteen, admonish one another. He says, you're full of wisdom. You're full of knowledge. You're doing it. You got the, you're, you're firing all, all your cylinders here. And out of that, sometimes loving correction needs to take place. That's a good thing. 
And in the early church, that was a great thing because, like I said, you got these Gentile heathen guys coming in and going, "Well, I'm saved. And what do I do now? Do you know what do we do?" And you got these Jewish guys coming in and saying, "Well, I don't know about these people that have this liberty and all that." And they're all getting mixed into the same room and saying, "How do we work this out?" And Paul's saying, "You know, part of that is as you grow, you learn to admonish one another in love. You learn that the gentle, loving correction." is not a bad thing. And I believe it is a lost love language in the church. We don't want to be walking in license and call it grace. We also don't want to be walking in legalism and call it um, correction. Colossians 3.16, the Apostle Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's the attitude through which, the attitude of the heart through which admonition comes. Must be welcomed. We must not get into the flesh on those things. Challies, uh, in his article, he says this, and I'll wrap up with this. We're going to wrap up a little early because we have a potluck. <laughs> I have my priorities right this morning. He says, although admonition can be an unpopular way of loving one another, because really, (laughs) who wants to be confrontational or negative? Scripture tells us it is necessary for our spiritual health and progress, and therefore provides us with helpful examples of it in action. Uh, You know, I just, I love, as I mentioned, I love the love that I hear of people having in this church. I love the fact that we're all in this together and that, you know what, like it or lump it, we have to deal with one another. Let's have grace. Let's have wisdom. Let's have understanding. Let's operate in the knowledge that we have of what God has forgiven us for as we work and as we interact in the lives of others. Let's be careful with our liberty. He says, you know, he says here in Romans, he says, keep it at home. Keep it to yourself. If there's something controversial about that, and, and that's the liberty you enjoy, then, then you just need to take responsibility for that. Why? Because walking in the overarching principle of love trumps anything where I fall on one side or the other of that matter. Uh, that's the way he set it up. And through that, we actually, as I mentioned start, starting the message this morning, we actually can love one another. We actually can enjoy hanging out with each other. How many different walks of life and different opinions and different tastes and all of that are sitting in this room, even though we're a small church, there is a wide, a wide variety of people. And yet the love of God constrains us. The love of God is poured out in our hearts and it's his desire that it be poured out among us. Let's pray. Father, as we just take a brief look at at this one verse, uh, Lord, how important it is, Lord, to you that we learn to do this properly, that we walk in loving admonition towards our brothers or our sisters when that need arises. Lord, as we interact in our families, Lord, with our children, raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Lord, give us a balance, give us a right perspective on this principle. And and when those things come, Father, If they come at us or to us, let us respond rightly. 
not in the flesh, but in a spiritual manner, let us respond in humility. And Father, if there are things that through which we're going to address a brother or a sister, a spouse or a child, Lord, let it be through love. Always to build one another up. Always to bring restoration. Always according to your will. So we give ourselves afresh to you. We thank you for this morning. Thank you for Kyle and Emily and John and James and their families being here and all of that. We pray your blessing upon them and upon all of us as we uh, get together and and uh, have a, share a meal together. So we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.